You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. This week, we lay out our church's plan to make much of God and make disciples of Jesus. Today we will be bouncing around the Bible a good bit. You can try to keep up, but most of it will be up here. Again, today's a a very different service Uh, for us. We're refining and reforming some things that we're doing here. Um, So if if you're a guest with us today, I know it seems like every Sunday we we have some guests either passing through or um, just looking for a church or just someone invited them. Um, As you listen today, maybe there's some things that you hear that are lined up with Scripture that you can take back to your home church or maybe um, some things that you're looking in your own heart that maybe needs to be lined up as you go home and, and serve your church or if um, you're looking for a church, or if uh, you're um, a guest here today and um, you're trying to figure out what this church is, well, today is a good day because we're going to really lay out a lot of the things that we're going to be doing here over um, the next coming year. So let me just start by painting a, a simple picture, not just of our church, but I think of any church. And this comes from a, a Tim Keller quote, and it says this. Churches should feel more like the waiting room for a doctor and less like a waiting room for a job interview. So how does he differentiate those two things? One group is all cleaned up, putting their best foot forward, wanting to make a good impression. They need to project confidence and competence. So that's the job interview, right? Whenever we go to a job interview, many of us are, are dressed in our best attire. We've, we've rehearsed many of the things we're going to say, and we're trying to put our best forward. The other group is harried, perhaps a bit disheveled, trying to produce a carefully curtailed profile that minimizes weakness would be counterproductive. They need to be candid about their brokenness and their need for help. It's a humbling place to be. See, that's, that's a good picture of of a church. It's a good picture of a faith family where you're not coming in through the door and, and automatically um, your guard is up and you're going to put your best foot forward. And every time someone asks you how you're doing, you say, good, good, good. Because let's just be honest, you're just lying. Because many times you do come in and it's wonderful. You had a wonderful week. But many times you do walk through the door, you have burdens, you have suffering, you have things in your life that's happening. And we just throw up the thing and say, good, and, and keep walking. But a church, one who is, and I'm going back to the Ephesians 4 passage that I read today, one that will build each other up in love needs to let down that guard. They need to let down this facade that everything's okay. You know, I think that, that oftentimes what has happened with us and what has happened with uh, just our culture and things is there's this idea that everybody should be wonderfully happy. <laughs> like the normal person is a joyful, happy person. And in fact, psychologists and psychiatrists have, have studied and looked at human nature and they write this big book, the DSM, that, that says that this is all the things that are wrong with people. And some of those things are are very valid things, but if you stop and think about it, if we understand the Bible to be true, and and the Bible says that every single person is born into this world with a broken relationship between, between them and the creator of the world, aren't things going to be kind of messed up to begin with? 
Now, when we take millions upon millions upon billions of people on a planet, and the majority of them still have this messed up relationship with their God, and and what they do is they tend to do is is we tend to sin as part of sin, is we fill our lives with things of this world, and then whenever someone else comes against those things, right, we react, we act out. Some of it is just an off. Offshore, offside comment, but sometimes it's something violent. It's something that that is horrific. Now, if you're living in that world, right? Now, obviously, we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope in a future. We have a hope in a new heavens and a new earth. But wouldn't you think that if you are living in that world, that maybe the norm would probably be, I'm going to experience a little suffering every day. I'm not going to be perfectly joyous and happy every single day. I mean, to me, I'm just working that out as, as common sense. That, that most likely that our day, right, is going to, to bring about a little suffering, a little bit of discontent, a little bit of, of, of the, this fallen world pushing against us. But the wonderful good news is that we are in Christ. That we are saved. We are just sojourners in this world and we are moving forward. God has called us out of the darkness and brought us into the light. And we get to walk with him. And he's as we were reminded that the Spirit is now dwells in us. And He is with us all the time. So it's a very different idea of the world around us and a very different idea of church that, is, that we're trying to propose today. Maybe not so different. I'm sure that, that there's many, many and thousands of churches that look at the Scripture and see this but this is where our heart is, as several months ago, the elders took everything that the church does and laid it out on the table, and we've been praying about it and changed, looking at what we need to change, what works, what doesn't work, um, what are some things that, that um, are good things, are wonderful things, but it just seems like God is, is, has just said, okay, you need to move away from those types of things, uh, those specific ministries. And so we've had... Uh, many discussions and many times of prayer of what we should be doing as a church and how we can develop in how, how can we fulfill this calling of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's the calling of the shepherds. That's the calling of all leaders of churches. If you're a group leader, or a team leader, or we're, we're trying to equip, that is the mindset, right? That is the mindset, equip them to do the work of of the ministry, because as we do the work in the ministry, we we fall into and we live out that promise in John ten that we have life and we have life to the fullest. We have it to the fullest as we are on God's mission. So for many years now, the, the mission of our church has has been on the on the back uh, wall here, not the wall, but up on the, the balcony, um, where we make much of God and we make disciples of Jesus. Now, to be honest with you, that is nothing special about as far as, you know, Mountain City Church and this simple, uh, this certain location, but it is the mission of all churches. <laughs> I would think that, that all churches are going to make much God and make disciples of Jesus. And that's just been our mission from, for, for many, many years. And we want to continue that mission. But let me just break it down just a little bit, just to give you some context as we keep pushing forward here. Make much of God. Well, it's just a different way of saying glorifying God. 
In everything that we do, whether eat, drink, and all we do, we glorify God. But you know what? Whenever you say glorifying God many times within churches, it just becomes white noise. It's like, okay, glorify God, and and you move on. But do we really understand what that means? Have we taken the time to understand what does it mean for my life to glorify God? Well, I think we could break it down um, pretty simply with um, two sides of a coin. And you think of it that if we're glorifying God, we are valuing Him above anything else. And we were pleasing God. That's the two sides of the coin of how we glorify God. We are valuing Him and we are pleasing Him. What does it mean to value Him? Well, when we value something, we honor, prize, adore, praise, cherish, and admire that thing above all else. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now don't just think material possessions. Don't think that, that this is, okay, you're, you're leading up to some kind of big uh, uh, you know, financial campaign. No, I think Jesus' root here and the root that we're always trying to get at as a church is your desires. What is your desires? I think that's what Jesus is truly aiming at. Do you desire God more than you desire anything else? Right? And and we know when Scripture says that when we do desire something more than we desire God, the Bible calls it an idol. Now, many of us know that many good things can become idols, right? Family, love, appreciation, children, marriage, etc. These things are good things, but if they overcome or they become more important or if we value them far more than we do God in Christ and all that he has done for us, then we've, we've kind of moved into that idolatrous path. A simple way to say it is, An idol is a good thing that's made into a God thing, and that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Ken Sandy, in his book, The Peacemaker, describes three criteria for how we know if something has become an idol. The first thing is, is we sin to get it. If something has become an idol, we sin to get it. We know that we are desiring something too much when we are willing to sin against God to get the things we are desiring. It doesn't mean that the desire is inherently sinful because we can desire something good and sin to get that good thing. So it's what you're valuing, where your desires are. The second thing he says is we sin to keep it. Sometimes we know that we, uh, what we have is good and we will do whatever it takes to keep this thing, including sinning against God. Relationships are an example of this. We desire relationships so much, which is a good thing, that we will say, uh, stay in a sinful relationship that we know dishonors God. We sin to keep it. And, and a third criteria, and this is probably the one that, that many times that we is most recognizable to us, is most recognizable to our family and our spouses, is we sin if we don't get it. When we don't get what we want, we lash out in response. Whether we are pouty for the next three days or explode in sinful bursts of anger, we didn't get what we desired and now are sinning as a result. So fundamentally what is happening is if you're valuing Christ or valuing God over everything else, you are living a life that is pleasing to him. And that's the second side of the coin, pleasing God. Pleasing God. 
We are called to please God. This is not the basis for our salvation, but we are called to please Him. By no means does it say that, okay, if you please me, then I'll save you. No, you are saved. This is who you are in Christ. This is everything that I've done for you. Now, will you live a life pleasing to him? Why? Because you value what he's done for you so much. As we sang in so many of those songs this morning, we value him so much. We are united with Christ. That cannot be changed. If you are in Christ, you are united with him for all eternity. Through the new birth, and that is the static part. If you think of it that way, it's like the static, the ongoing, the thing that doesn't change. It's the static part of our relationship with God. Meaning, our union does not ebb and flow. It does, doesn't not waver, does not increase or decrease. It is constant. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, the flip side of, a, of the static part of our relationship is the dynamic part of our relationship. That ebbs and flows, right? It's, many times it's referred to as our communion with God. It increases and it decreases. If we're walking in habitual sin, your relationship with God may feel dry. Well, why? I, I just I can't get into worship today, or I, I, I don't want to open the Word of God. If we're walking in regular obedience... Regular, not perfect, because no one's going to do it perfectly. Your relationships with God will feel full. It's like sometimes I'm rolling in here and life is great, or I had a great day and I'm praising God and His words coming off of my tongue and everything is, is wonderful. But it's a dynamic relationship. It ebbs and it flows. Our static, our union with Him can never be changed, but our, our um, dynamic relationship does change. It ebbs and flows. Again, one of the principal motivations for holiness as we progress to be more like Christ is the pleasure of God. He saves you to be holy, not perfect. That will come one day in glorification, thank you, Lord, where all sin will be taken away, but set apart for his work. Set apart for his work. Titus 2, 11 through 14 unpacks this for us. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works." For pleasing him. And we already know what one thing that we, uh, one of the questions that came up, we had a, a panel at the crew is, is, it's a really good question. And I would imagine every single person sitting here has asked that question. What is God's will for my life? Or what is his will in this situation? What is his will as I take a step forward? It's an incredibly good question. But one thing we do know, there's some things in here, in our word of God, it absolutely is, is rock solid. And First Thessalonians 4, 3 says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You are to be changing all the time. You are to be progressively becoming more like Christ. And brothers and sisters, the, the only way that you're going to progress and become more like Christ is if you see sin to be sin. And if you have brothers and sisters around you to help you see sin to be sin. Because if you never renounce sin or change your mind about sin, then you're not growing and changing towards Christ, being more like Christ. Christ. 
you are not being sanctified. Now, thankfully, the Holy Spirit's job is to do that. So he's either just going to make us completely miserable where we're, we're, we're just flat out in front of him because he's made us that miserable. Because if we are born again and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, he will sanctify us. It's just whether or not we're going to, as, as Nate quoted the Philippians passage, where it's we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but God is working underneath of that. So he's either going to pull you kicking and screaming, or what it's going to be is it's going to look at look like the, the first John passage where it says, Well, they came in among us, but they were not of us, so they left. That's that's what the word of God says. So we will be sanctified. It's just whether we go kicking and screaming or not. Pleasing God is such a significant part of our Christian walk. Listen to what God has to say about pleasing him. Colossians 1.10. So as to walk in manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 John 3.22 says, And whenever we ask, we receive for him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. In fact, there's dozens of times in the New Testament um, we have this motivation that is given to us to please him. To please God. Again, it's never about we please Him so that we are saved. It's we are saved so we live a life that pleases Him because we value Him so much in what He has done for us. So, what we are to do is we are to make much of God and we are to go. We are to go and make disciples. What has happened is, is our desires have changed so much. And our desires and and our valuing what he has done for us has changed so much that now we cannot keep it to ourselves. (laughs) We had to go tell somebody. Somebody is is walking down the path straight to the the fiery pits of hell. And then we have this wonderful good news of the gospel to share with them, to tell them that that no, no, no. There's a God that loves you and cares for you and, and wants you to be with him forever. So we are to go and make disciples. We know this passage. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. So what he's saying first and foremost, and and what we're saying as a church is to make disciples, you must first be a disciple. Um, There's another way that that, uh, Paul Washer says it, it's to the point, and it's right, you you can't disciple a goat into a sheep. It's impossible, right? But a disciple can't, you have to first be a disciple in order to disciple others because it's just part of the DNA of being a disciple, it's who you become. You are a follower of Christ. You are a disciple of Jesus. So the natural question would be, if I was sitting in your place right now, the natural question is, what is a disciple of Jesus? Now, I'm not going to turn to discipleship gurus or something that we made up. I'm just going to turn to Jesus. And I'm not really going to give much commentary. I'm just going to leave them with you in these if statements. Jesus gave five if statements about his being a disciple of his and and this is, I'm just giving this to you, and, and you can check your own life as it stands right now. 
First of all, and we heard a lot about this last week, if you have love one for another is the first thing that Jesus says. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. We heard a lot about that last week. If you have love one for another. The second thing he says is, if you allow the only truth, God's words, to guide every aspect of your life. Why is one of the the sayings that we say, and I'm probably going to say this many more times um, as we go through today, is one of the sayings we have around here is just read it. Just read the Bible. It's amazing what it does to us. It's amazing how it is alive and and it works in us. Read it. John 8, 31 through 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. How can you abide in his word if you don't know his word and not reading it? It's impossible. And we keep going. The third one, if you deny your own wants and wishes and live for the kingdom of God. Now, we just finished a whole series on the kingdom of God. Jesus comes along and says this, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you deny your own wants, if your desires have changed from desiring Christ over everything else. The next one is if your allegiance to Jesus trumps your allegiance to all others, including yourself. Including yourself. In Luke 14, 26, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and he goes on to say in the rest of that passage, yes, in even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I'm not saying that you turn away and hate. He's saying that idea is that you love them more. You love him more than you love them. It's very true. It's... you can't have a right relationship with somebody if you are a Christian, if you're loving that person more than you love God because they just became an idol for you instantly. They just became an idol for you and now you're, you're in sin because if you're loving that person more than you love God, you're breaking the first commandment, right? You're breaking the first one. And the last one is, is, is connected in that same verse. If you're willing to die for Jesus. If you're willing to die for him. That's the if statements that he gave to being a disciple of Christ. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, by default, you will make disciples. That is what your goal is. That is your purpose now. You are now a sojourner. You are now one that, that is the salt and light of the earth. This is what you're, you, you get up and you're thinking, okay, as I go, because as, as that passage lays out in Matthew 28, that going is as you go. So as I go to work, how am I making disciples? As I go and love on my family, how am I making disciples? As I go into the community, how am I making disciples? So that is our mission. We make much of God, we make disciples of Jesus. And becoming a disciple of Jesus is not a class so much that you take, but it's a lifestyle that you live as you go, right? 
Yes, we can get really good learning and we can, we can learn. Uh, we need to be in places where we're equipped and learn about the, the ways of Jesus and how he did things. But it's not like we can say, okay, take a 12-week class, now you're a disciple of Jesus. No, it's, we, we might get the foundation and what we need to do, but, but it's a working out, right? It's a lifestyle that we live. It's a lifestyle that we live. So in, in, in lieu of that, what we have done is, is created a discipleship pathway. So as, as we think of folks, we've... Decide, we, we've, and we've kind of, okay, come on in, Holy Spirit, if that's you, or, <laughs> yes, that was kind of creepy, um, that was actually kind of cool, um, so, yes, God has led us to develop a pathway for you to be on, right, that, that you can look Wherever you're at in your journey with us as, as a faith family, as a member of our church or a regular attender moving towards membership, you can look at the path at some point and look at where I'm at and where I, I need to go. Now, this has been changed a little bit, and I will talk about the changes here in a little bit. But I just want to talk about the pathway and why it's significant. And I want to do that through a testimony, um, through a testimony of someone that has walked the path. Um, someone has walked the path that, that um, as this person has walked the path, there at the very end where, like, she's really, she's getting ready to step out into the mission field. And it's really cool to see. And when, when I say mission field, I don't mean that she's gathering support and going overseas and, and bless everyone that does that. But I mean mission field as in her own church and her own neighbor's and those that she bumps into each and every day. And, um, and, and it's actually the story of my sister. I asked many people of who we can point to to say, okay, someone has kind of done the pathway, and how has it changed them? How has it helped them? How has it moved their lives? How, is, how, is, how are they valuing Christ more than anything, right? And then moving into making disciples as, as they have become discipled and as others, disciple makers, has discipled her. So Terry's story begins several years ago as God began to draw her to herself, as he often does. Um, this didn't come during a time of tremendous blessing, but it was actually during a, a hard season of life through suffering the loss of a loved one. Our mom uh, fell uh, and broke a hip, which she never really recovered from. Um, coupled with a, a lifetime of smoking, mom needed someone to, to help her each and every day. So I was working, and my brother's working, and, and, and at that point in time, Terry was available to go and, and be that support for my mom each and every day. And this is where God, Terry started to begin to speak to God. A God that she always knew existed, like she's been to church, like, okay, God's out there, he exists, right? But many of us have those ideas about that. Um, but there was really no relationship that existed. This, this God was out there, and, and I'm facing things that I can't do on my own. 
So she said she would often sit at the steps, um, there's steps going up to my mom's apartment on the avenue, and she would sit there and she would talk to this God that she knows it's out there uh, about giving strength and helping her to get through the day because mom was pretty cantankerous and, and it can make life difficult for you in this current state of her life. So she would talk to God. So we fast forward a year or so and mom passes. And after attending mom's service, um, Terry starts attending Mountain City Church with her daughter, Ashley, who Ashley has, has been, um, like, ever since we were on the avenue 12 years ago, we've been always dragging Ashley to everything we go. So, um, so Ashley's like, Mom, come on, come to church with us. So what Terry did is entered the gathering. And it's the first step. It's what we're doing right now today. She entered the gathering on a regular basis, not, you know, having a lot of different questions because she, um, she was, in, like, as a young person, there was a couple different churches that she had attended with very different ideas of what a church is and, and different things like that. We don't need to get into any of that. But she started attending the gathering where she learned about how this God worked his will in our lives, and this stirred a hunger for the Word of God in her. So as she came in on Sunday morning, she heard that, that there's a great big God that has a sovereign plan, and that they, one of those things is he wants to save his children and bring them to himself and repair this relationship. As she attended regularly, things began to change for Terry. There was never a single moment where she came down front to pray or had an emotional experience that can be looked back on to pinpoint her salvation. All she saw and all we saw and the people around her was fruit. Something changed. In, in her life. There was fruit. She went from, not, had no desire to read this book called the Bible to, I, I can't get enough of it. What does the word say? That was stoked by, I know, many conversations with Matt Radcliffe as, as he would come and seek her out every Sunday. What are you reading, Terry? Are you reading the Bible? What are you reading now? Just to be encouraged. See, that's what the, the passage in Hebrews 10 says, where, where, where it says, like, we, we use it so many times to, to say, why aren't you in church? Don't you know you shouldn't forsake the gathering of the saints? But really, if you keep reading, it says the purpose of us coming together is to encourage one another. To encourage one another. To encourage one another. Again, the first fruit that came evident was reading the Bible. Anyone that has been around her any amount of time knows um, that she bought into the saying, just read it. <laughs> um, I think she's on her third go through the Bible. Not saying that, that, that it's great, that like as far as like this is a, um, this will save her or perfect her. I'm just trying to show the fruit. Um, I hope you understand the difference there. The first fruit that, again, came evident was a Bible reading. Within the gather, gathering, Terry found people who would encourage her to read the Bible, but more importantly, she found people who knew that they have sin in their life and they needed a Savior, just like she does, just like she is coming to realize and understand that she did. To sum it up, and again, this is some of my words and, and some of her words as I asked her to write some things down for me. To sum it up, Terry found a group of people that did not condemn her for her sin. She found people who showed her love and, and she felt she could talk to anyone about anything within our faith family. 
And that only happens if a faith family is centered on one thing and one thing only, and that's Jesus Christ. See, if, if we have something, if we're valuing something more than Christ, then there's no way that we can let down our guard and trust one another because, see, we're always trying to justify ourselves. So that's why we judge other people and we look down on them. But we got to realize that we are in need of a Savior just as much as the next person. And that fundamentally changes the atmosphere of a, of a faith family. It fundamentally changes so two things were happening at this point at the same time. As, as she read the word, she was confronted with God's design for things. Like, okay, this God, he created everything, now he designed some things. And as she learned about being part of a faith family, membership also became a desire. But there was a hurdle, a hurdle to, to overcome. She was 30 years into a not-so-healthy relationship with a man, and this was not God's design. And it would prevent her in becoming a member of the church. First, she saw it wasn't God's design because they were not married. And then she saw so many things about, okay, this is what, uh, this is what the, the Word of God says should look like as far as a marriage and, and what it looks like and how it should be. And, and, and saying, okay, I want to become a member of the church. I want to be part of this faith family. So he, here comes the first miracle. Her and her daughter moved Moved to Frostburg, and it was her faith family to help them do so. So God, through his word, recognized that I'm in, a, in an unbiblical relationship and that I need to leave that relationship after 30 years. Why? Because I value what the word of God says and what God says more than my feelings and my desires here. My feelings and my desires here. The first miracle. During the, the, that transition, she was part of a community group that encouraged her every step of the way. Taking the steps to become a member, she was baptized and accepted into membership. So Terry says that these community groups, again, just like she found within the faith family on a Sunday morning, our community group, whenever she would come, she would find that same encouragement, openness, loving, you know, hey, I'm just as messed up. This is what I'm struggling with. Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. And we talk about it, and we apply the gospel to it, and we send, send you back out into the world. Again, taking uh, the steps to become a member, she was baptized and accepted into membership. The story continues. During her time in community group, she grew close to those that attended, which allowed her to admit her struggle with smoking and a desire to quit. So she's seeing, again, the Word of God. She's seeing the people this is not healthy. This is not healthy for me. I'm not treating my temple well. Um, I would like to quit. Each week, she would ask the same prayer request. The same prayer request. And each week, God helped her inch by inch to lay down the cigarettes and has not had one since August the 15th. Praise the Lord. Now she's in a D group with a group of women who hold her accountable each time they meet where she's learning how to apply the Word of God to her life. D-Group has been a place where she can ask questions about the Word and where she is helping others to apply the Word to their life. And as she's part of this D-Group, as she is, is reading the Word and, and helping others apply the Word, she is beginning her journey on making disciples. 
It's amazing how God's word works and how people that follow his word, how he honors and, and glorifies himself in that. And if I, if I had her paper that she wrote up, it was, it was just littered with God did this, God did that, God did this, God did that, God did this, God did that. She ended that little thing by saying God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. So as, as we're looking at the discipleship pathway, we see the fruit of it. And this is just one one. One testimony. We have many other testimonies that we can go forward about this. I know that there's one person that, that was in a discipleship group for a year or so, and, and, and God was just calling her. Like, I, I, there's some other people that are not in discipleship groups, and I benefited so much from this. You know what? She asked her group if she can step out so that she can go start another discipleship group. So now we have a disciple who is making disciples. That's, that's, that's the purpose it's the purpose of everything that, that God has saved us to, is to go and make disciples. So let me just show us what we changed. We knew that, we saw that the, the path was working. There was one thing that was, it was kind of hit and miss. And if you look up it, serving and equipping groups, that used to say community groups. I talked about Terry's community group that she was part of, and you were like, okay, Joe, you just said community groups work. Now, why are we going away from that idea? But we're not completely going away from it, just to, to ease your, your mind a bit. What we saw was whenever we laid the, the, the whole thing out about everybody that comes to our church and is a member of our church, what we saw was that, that community groups were hit and miss. Like some of them gelled, came together, and was really good. And some of them was just because of the, the season of life and different things, they um, would not gel and, and move forward in a well way. And the main reason it, we found there's actually three factors in that. First, the geographical nature of our church. Okay, so if you stop and think about a community group, it, it doesn't matter if, if within that community group, if there's every couple had 10 kids and there's single people and everything, if everyone kind of lived in the same cul-de-sac or on the same two blocks, right, you can make it work. You are living together, you're doing life together, your kids are playing on the same team, going to the same school, all that is happening. None of that is happening at Mountain City Church. Nothing wrong with that. But we are scattered people that come here on a Sunday Sunday morning and, and have become members of this church from all different areas of counties in different areas of the place. So there's really, in, in many different ways, your guys' lives many times don't cross paths with other people's lives that are within your faith family. So it's kind of hard to have community groups, right? I'm, and, and the other thing is, is the season of life for the majority of members, and many are young families, so the, the number one the number one constant factor in the group that gelled and moved forward was the fact that there was hardly any children there. That it was it was people that were even seasons of life that, that their kids are grown up, right? Or they'd had built in babysitters somewhere along the way and, and they were able to join. And and so we're looking at it, we're saying we're not serving these people well. We're not serving them well that, that it's like, I, I can't imagine, I, I don't remember it. I was out on a, in a truck and my poor wife had to deal with all the three kids and everything for, for so much of it. So I, I have no concept, 
Thankfully, one of our elders does because he has two young ones. His wife works, he works. They're trying to get kids crossing paths, getting them to daycare. And, and by the time they actually can sit down, it's like 6 30, 7 o'clock at night. Now, okay, what do we ask them to do? Pack everything up and come to a community group. It's just not working. It's not working. And then also the, the transient nature of our culture and the transient nature of this church. Um, between the college students that we are so thankful we get between two and four years, they come in and then, and then they move on to life. And our purpose for the college ministry is to make good church members for other churches. That's our goal. And, and some of them are sitting here as members of this church. They're like, all right. I, I like the area. I like this church. I found a faith family. And let me stick around for a while. That's wonderful. We'll take everyone that wants to, that God calls to do that as that. But it's also the transient nature of culture in general, where people are, are moving about, um, where they, they're not like, okay, I'm, my family's been here. We've always been here and I'll be here until I die. No, they, they, the families have been broken up many times in many different ways. And now they're moving around. So that idea kind of was like what we were trying to push a, uh, to say that like we got to change that. We have to change the community group idea, but we didn't want to give up the environment of a group. So what we did is we thought of serving and equipping groups. Serving and equipping groups. So it was a good example. So we already have natural groups. The worship team, those that, that work on the, I mean, to serve on the worship team, they, they serve as a group. And as, as we look forward and as we work out the, the pathway and some things that we're going to talk about, and I'm quickly running out of time, that we're going to talk about here um, just in a, in a few minutes, we thought, what if we taught our team leaders to look at their ministry, not their ministry, but their group, their servant team as a group of people? Empower them to, um, I know that the guest care team just recently, we went to Jeannie's house, they had a meal, uh, Nate came, we sang, read scripture, it was a group environment, we shared each other's burdens, they had a fire pit, those type of events. Can we bring people into the group environment where it's not rows, but people looking at each other and loving on one another? I, I noticed, I thought about as I was thinking about this, as Nate is walking with Tucker over to Clatter, and, and usually a good if there's more people on stage, they all go to clatter. Well, if we're teaching our people how to make disciples to be disciples, we're not going to walk over to clatter, right, just talking about just anything. We're actually going to be trained and learn how to dive into people's lives and help them to be more like Christ. Now, when I say that, and whenever you look at those packets and, and you're looking at things that like, I don't know what that is, I have no idea how to do that, you're right, you don't. Because what we're trying to do is show you it's something three to five years down the road as we learn how to do this better. So many of us already do it. That's a wonderful thing. We got to jump start on it. But as so many of us do it better, where we're always looking for opportunity to encourage and love and pray and, and even speak truth and love, call out people on sin. That's not a bad thing, folks. You understand that? That, that like, if someone comes to you and say, there's sin in your life, you should jump for joy. You won't in the immediate, but if, you, if someone's pointing out sin, that means you get to repent of it and you become more like Christ as you apply the gospel to that area. I don't know why this has gotten such a stigma that, uh, that like, oh, 
man, what do you mean? You're going to call me out on my... Yeah, I am, because I love you. And there's more joy in, in being more like Christ than there is in living in sin. And I'm going down a rabbit trail. I'm sorry. Let me... Let me stick to it. So this is why we're changing the, the, the serving and equipping groups. Is what, so tonight, we're going to have a preview of how people change. Okay, this is going to be a group that's going to come together. We're going to meet um, six to eight weeks, depending on how fast we want to go through this. And we'll talk about that. And this will come together in a group environment. And by the nature of how people change and being taught how to help other people change... Um, it's going to lead to good conversation. And then we're going to dispatch those folks out into discipleship groups, which I have simplified and listened to everybody's input about the things that they love and the things that frustrate them and the things that causes them not to meet. Um, And we're going to talk about that here directly. Um, So so equipping groups, and, and we'll have several different things. So... The easiest way for me to explain this, and maybe it doesn't make sense for someone sitting there, but many of you have seen the movie, right? The, the Karate Kid, right? And, and Mr. Miyagi was teaching Daniel how to do karate. And Daniel had this vision. Now, I can stand up here and try to, 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 to throw out this vision and, and, you know, encourage and everything and say, this is where we're going, this is where we're going, this is where we're going, but really, you're just listening to me. You're not really changing. And how did he teach him? He told him to wax on and wax off and wash the car and paint the fence and sand the floor. And at the very end of it, when he got done doing all these things, Daniel could do karate. And what I'm trying to say is what this pathway does and what discipleships grew, at the end of the day, you will be a person that makes disciples. You'll be a person that makes disciples. Because you're going to change so much through the different things that we have coming down in the next couple of years, through the different learning and, and, and ways that we're going to be looking at how we love one another, speak truth to love, speak truth and love to one another, that you will change and be a disciple who makes disciples. So the only solution we had for community groups was to divide them into men and women community groups. And we we realized that we already had that. It's called the discipleship group. And so now, let me bring Marty on, right, to, to let you begin to see how we are changing our discipleship groups. Yeah, cool. Uh, so if you have that paper, uh, you can pull that out. So some of you have probably been doing notes on it. I know there's a ton of information, like, coming at you. I know there's a lot of, um, through the handouts that some of us will probably lose on the way home, uh, guilty. Um, so all this stuff is going, like, available on the website. We're going to talk about that. You can rewatch this entire um, sermon on our YouTube page or on the podcast. So, like, if you miss something, like, hey, how did he explain that? Cool. Also, as we're going through this, after the, ser- like, after the teaching time, there's a Q&A time we're going to have. The elders are going to come up. And so, like, if you have questions about any of the things we've talked about today or just about the church, you can ask those because we want you guys to have an opportunity to respond. So, as I'm talking, as Joe's talking, as you're processing and marinating and all the, th- the things we've talked about, um, know that there's a time to ask questions here at the end. Okay. So, what, um, 
discipleship groups. So, like, yeah, what is a D group, that last part of it? Um, simply a, a discipleship group or a D group, um, because we're cool, we like to shorten words. Um, a D group. I know, it's been a long time, you guys have been quiet, so we can laugh a little. Okay, what is a D group? Uh, a, a discipleship group, um, it is three to five, typically three to five same gender believers that come together and meet, okay? This is a closed accountability group. It is a time of discussion, a time of reading, a time of praying and reflecting and seeing how God is working in your lives and how to be encouraging each other. And it's very, it's very purposeful in the sense of coming together with, with a plan, very purposeful coming together and asking questions um, to get to the heart of what God is doing in you and what he is doing in the hearts of others. Um, as Joe said, we can just sit up here and talk and, un- and unpack these things, but really, when I have to prepare and teach, it makes me learn things so much better. And when I have to be vulnerable and honest with somebody, I learn so much about that person and they learn so much about me. And that is one of the biggest points of these discipleship groups is this accountability and this coming together. Um, years ago, there was the horrible commercials about like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's kind of the same mindset with discipleship group. This is a time of accountability, of coming together. And the things that you discuss in that discipleship group are supposed to stay within that discipleship group. Like, if people are confessing sins, you don't go home and be like, hey, honey, <laughs> let me tell you what happened. No, like, those, the, those are things that are not, should not be happening. As this group is meeting together and saying, we want to be like, confidential and praying for each other and intentional, this is something that we want to do. Um, now, if illegal things come up, like, yes, we will talk about that. That's something else. Uh, so um, when do these groups happen? They should, um, ideally, they meet um, every other, like weekly or every other week. If you go too long, then you lose touch and like, oh, how was that prayer request from like three months ago? Um, so there, it's a very purposeful time. Um, whenever the groups that have been doing it that have had great success, they set a time and they hold that time as a valuable, sacred time. I know some of our groups meet Saturday mornings. Uh, and so they set, hey, the first and third su- uh, Saturday, we are going to meet at this time. And that's what that group's decided. Um, on there, there's also like, what might a group time look like? Okay, this is just a template. This is not copy-paste, do this, successful, Jesus loves you, you're now a disciple. Uh, no, like, one thing, like, so, like, as you meet at the designated place and time, like, there's small talk, catching up. Hey, how's things going? Oh, how'd work? Oh, cool. So, like, that naturally happens. Okay, and then the discussed upon, um, discuss the agreed upon passage of Scripture. In the past, there was this whole, um, some would say, overwhelming reading plan, um, and then there was that some people had great success and others struggled. Um, well, and so instead of that, we're putting that away, and like, the group, why don't you decide what you're going to read? So maybe you're going to read through the book of James um, for the next several weeks or months. That's awesome. So discuss on it. Um, so maybe reread parts in that group. Um, and then there's the four big um, picture questions, which we'll see on the next page. And you start looking at it. And then after that, so that's kind of like you're intellectually looking at it and thinking about it. And then next you start examining and applying that scripture. Okay, so what does it mean? What how does this apply to what, like, we're wrestling with? Or as I was reading this, the Holy Spirit was really convicting me on these things. Um, as, and then as you continue, like, in that group, you should be listening to each other. 
If I'm in a group with, with Sam, um, and I hear Sam just pouring out certain things or saying certain things, like, I want to be able to listen well and then also to be able to encourage Sam. I'm not listening for Sam to stop talking so I can t- start talking and saying all the cool things. I, no, I want to listen. So, like, what, what is Sam saying? What is the heart of what Sam's saying? And how can I encourage Sam? Or, remind, or what do I need to remind Sam of based on Scripture? They should, it's a good idea to end them with Scripture, um, end them with Scripture and end them in a time of prayer, and then um, set the time and place and the plan for the next week's meeting. And again, that's just an example of what it looks like. Um, and as you're going through these, there's kind of three words um, that we want you to be thinking about. Head, heart, and habits. The 4-H had health, so we couldn't use that one. So we, so we went to 3-Hs, okay? Um, sorry. Uh, so what is the, so when we're thinking about the head, what is it? Again, this is kind of the intellectual. And if you're in the community groups or you've been around here, we, we use this idea of these four questions of who is God, what has he done, who are we in light of what God has done, and how are we to live? Anytime you're reading scripture, these are awesome questions to think. Who is God? Well, if we're thinking about our um, Ephesians passage today, um, if we're thinking about our Ephesians passage, Ephesians 4, 11, and he gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip, uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for the building up the body of Christ until we um, all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God in the true manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we are no longer to be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine and of human com- cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together and held together by every joint of which it is equipped. So that, and we need to purge working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So as we're thinking about that, well, who is God? Well, he's the giver. Like, if we look at this, well, who is God? Well, he's the giver of teachers and shepherds. Um, what has he done? He's given us these, these, this leadership in charge of us. He's given us Christ as the example. Um, how are we, if we think of the next question, like, so how are we, um, or who are we in light of what God has done? Well, if, if we are believing this and living this, verse 14, we are no longer than children. If we are submitting ourselves to Christ, if we are living out as Christ has called us to live, then we are no longer children tossed to and fro by the wind. We are no longer deceived. We are actually mature, perfect, and complete in Christ. So then how are we to live in light of that? Out of, the, out of all of the, what God has done, how are we to live? Well, it ends there in four, uh, 16. It, we are to work properly, and it, the body, it grows so that it builds itself up in love. We are to be loving one another because Christ is loving us. And you can take these four questions and apply them to any passage in the Bible, and it'll help you to see God. It'll help you to see what He has done. It'll help you to see yourself in light of who God is, much, much smaller than He is. Um, and then we should realize, okay, based on what these truths are about God, how should our lives change? And so that's the head part that we want you to be thinking about in these discipleship groups, and they will change the way that you engage with Scripture and be able to encourage each other. It's not, 
well, I, in my opinion, no, like, what is God showing you? Um, I'm going to give it back to Joe, and he's going to take a couple more of these. The second part is the heart, and basically, fundamentally, down to the simple part, this is something we're going to have to learn. And what we want to do is we want to focus our eyes not on the fruit of sin, but the root of sin. So that's fundamentally changing. It's going to take us a while to do that. Um, it's going to take us a while to learn how to do that. That's what, how people change the thing that we're starting tonight or the preview that's happening tonight. That will help us do so. Instead of just constantly picking the fruit of sin out of our life, we can dive down and help each other to dig up the roots. Because once we dig up the roots, then the sin goes away. Because now we've found what we're desiring more than God and more the Word of God, and we're, we're repenting of it, and then we're, we're putting the gospel um, towards that and, and speaking the gospel and the truth and love to one another. And then the last, ha- the last part of it are the habits that all this should be creating. Creating a habit of reading the Bible. Why? Because well, we're meeting in discipleship groups, and i got to go and talk about um, what we read. Creating the habit of speaking the truth in love. Building trust through rupture and repair. That's how trust happens. Is, is you have a relationship, and you got to kind of rupture that relationship by stepping in and saying, this is what I see in your life, brother or sister. Um, and it ruptures a little bit, and then you repair because you're all in Christ, and, and um, the, the, the Christ is the center of everything that you do. So those are some of the habits that we believe that will be created as we walk through this. So it's that's kind of the, the simplified version of discipleship groups where we were we were journaling, we were, we were having a uh, a reading plan. It's like no, read whatever portion of scripture that you can come up with. And if 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 everyone has a crazy week, just read it out loud when you get there and answer the four questions. It's it's as simple as that. It, they work. And they, get to, they help you start seeing who God is and to start seeing your identity because oftentimes your identity is, is part of that root idea of our sin instead of just keep plucking off the fruit and then we never change. Um, again, Monday night you can come out and ask as many questions about discipleship groups as you want. If you're not in a group and desire to be in a group, come out Monday night at 6 o'clock, and we will see who's all available, and you can start at least building a relationship with, with someone as far as that goes on um, Monday night. So again, tonight is about beginning to learn about the heart and how to do that. It's going to take time. Again, we're trying to, to push something forward that's, you know, three to five years down the road, what would a congregation that, that is doing all these things look like? It'd be one that is that would, I believe, um, would be so attractive to the world around us that is hurting so, so much. Um, so that concludes this, what we're looking at in the small changes we made to our discipleship pathway. So what I would like to do is we put up some stools so you guys can ask Questions, and then we have two more things to do, and we will we will um, get those done. The first thing I would like, when you stand up, I would like you to gather with two or three people. If you're a guest, um, I understand that this would be very hard, and 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 don't worry about it. But gather with a couple people that that you know are regular attenders and and, and members of our church, and ask some questions. And maybe they heard something, and you have a question. But at least each group come up with one question. 
Because I know some of us are sitting here like, I have a question, and I'm not going to announce it in front of everybody here. And that's fine. That's wonderful. You can come out Monday night and ask all questions you want, or you can get someone that doesn't mind asking um, to say something uh, during our Q&A time, and we'll just do this for like 10 minutes, and we'll keep moving on with the rest of the service. There's only two small things we want to do, but very important things um, after that. So stand up. Take a breath, find a couple people, ask some questions, and come up with a question for us as we set up the stage. All right, so the first thing you might notice as Marty's making his way back is um, we are, Chris is not up on stage with us. Um, And Chris has come to us asking to um, step down for maybe a period of time, maybe um, for a long period of time. It's just a, a season of life where uh, he feels that um, he's not serving the church well. That was his heart 10,000 times. If he didn't say it once, he, didn't, he said it 10,000 times that he just felt like this season of life right now where he's at, um, that he uh, is not serving the church well in that capacity. And he just said, I just, I just need to step down for a while and completely honor that. In fact, our bylaws state... Um, whether or not we can sustain it is like a, an elder should serve for about three years and then probably rotate off and bring somebody else on um, as far as that goes because there is a great burden that comes uh, with the job. So at the end of the service, like I said, we got one more thing to do after this, uh, which is bring somebody into membership. Chris and then Caitlin, who we're going to bring into membership, will be up front for you to thank Chris for his service over the last three years. And to welcome Caitlin in as a member. But first, your questions. And somebody, far away. Terry. It's up to the group. Yeah, it's up to the group. It's a, I, it's for me sitting up here. This is a very scary way to do church because I don't control a lot of this stuff. I'm giving you guardrails to run in and trusting the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and uh, and I think these men would, uh, you know, it, it's like okay, do we want a program based church or do we want a culture of disciples who make disciples? I, and again, none of this is permanent. Just I'll keep my. I don't want to be the first guy to answer. Um, uh, so that, that transition point, um, I think we're, so one of our focuses is equipping and empowering the team leads um, to be on the lookout for those folks. Um, I think the discipleship pathway launch, like the, the, the group event that is, that is happening, can run double duty here. Um, what we're trying to do is create as many connection points. That's a thing that we had talked about in, in, in the last few months is creating as many connection points as we can. So it's not like this formal thing that has to happen. You're not, you don't need to submit a paper uh, and a resume to, like, to join something, but just like interconnection amongst the, the people of the church is, is what we're going for and creating as many of those opportunities as we can. Um, the equipping groups, uh, you know, things that we are going to put on that are more like teaching focused and, and equipping focused can also be those like organic starting points. The case with John, very thoughtful in his questions, it brought up, I mean, as soon as he started saying that, it's like, yeah, we need to have 
Just like we're doing a D group kickoff, maybe we need to, to bring our team leaders together and those that, okay, if you're not serving right now and would like to serve, come you know, for, for dinner and, and, and we'll figure this, like where we can plug you in at. That's a very good point and maybe something that we could do down the road. Um, but yeah, like Tim was saying, trying to make connection points um, as far as uh, the way that we connect with one another to d- determine those those talents and gifts. Yeah. Yeah. And the question, sorry for our online people, I, I, I received your message. Um, the question was basically if they're in the gathering, how do they become a part of one of the serving and equipping groups? So that's what that last question was in reference to. Um, another thing with that, like, um, we had this video for something else, but the, on the website, there's also, like, all the events that are going on. So if you go to our mountaincity.church website and go to the events page, like, all of our events are on there and, like, information. And if, you, if we have, like, online signups, you can find it all on there. So, like, oh, corn maze. Oh, well, look at that. Um, so that's next Saturday. Um, in, shameless plug. You can sign up down here. Okay. So the question um, is, do you have to be a member of Mountain City Church to be in a D group? Uh, And basically, how do you become a part of a D group by invitation is the question. So that's the the main purpose of of tomorrow night is to bring everybody together that is not in a D group but desires to be in a D group so they, they can begin to build relationships with folks. I mean, discipleship groups... If you look at those accountability questions, you might want to spend some time with people to determine whether or not you want to jump into a discipleship group with them or not. But no, you do not have to be a member of the church um, in order to be in a discipleship group. So, yeah, I'll try and re, uh, rephrase his question or say his question. So it's, um, as these community groups are changing into the serving and equipping groups, um, is there a leader of them, and how are they, like, looking differently? So is there a leader for these groups? Um, I would say this, that uh, sometimes, yes but not all the time. Um, Nate is the uh, worship leader, um, and it, we would ask Nate to kind of foster um, discipling within that group of people, um, but that doesn't mean that Nate is the primary person who does that. Um, 
and clothing closet is another place where we serve and intersect and there's no designated leader we have a leader but we don't have um, somebody who that role can change every week every time we do that so but the, the intersection is um, what we're looking for and we're looking for people who um, want to lead in that role but not actually have the, the, the role of leader does that make sense right and just to add to that let's um, something that we will be one of those equipping things will be lead like Jesus and as you as we go through that uh, curriculum lead like Jesus you'll understand that a leader is not someone that is given a title a leader is someone of influence and every single one of you sitting here are leaders because every single one of you have influence over another person and that's that's Jesus definition of a leader where okay lay down the, the, the business model of got to have a leader that does all this. No, it, it's, it's about organic discipleship making for everybody. So the question was, yeah, discipleship groups, they're like uh, all guys or all girls, but basically what sort of groups are we thinking about for married couples, guy and girl couples, how we disciple them outside of the discipleship group pathway? Sure, since I am married, (laughs) we all are. Um, Yeah. so uh, one, one struggle that we had seen from community groups, I will speak to this directly. Um, uh, Joe mentioned it. Uh, I was the young elder with young children. Um, uh, so it, it is a challenge is, uh, for me as a, and I, I know this holds true from, from other young families that I have talked to, but uh, just speaking for me individually, um, it, it's a struggle for a couple to get out of the house at the same time um, with young children's, with children's children. Um, and uh, it, doing that, like from community group standpoint, you know, uh, uh, just with the, the way of life for us, like uh, Hannah sees patients until 8 o'clock on a Monday. That was uh, our one option for community group. That one's out. And then Sundays are extremely hard. Um, Sunday mornings, uh, we hit nap time very quickly. Um, and then trying to, you know, get nap, shove food in kids' face, and then come back uh, to church for the Sunday afternoon uh, community group. It was just a challenge. Um, and for, so it's easier for one side of that couple to get out of the house while the other is caring for the children at home. Um, but to your point, I think that is an excellent concern in how are we discipling uh, couples. Um, I think you might know one way uh, that the church is actively seeking uh, to do this is just in, uh, again, organic interconnections um, and having 
uh, other members of the church, you know, try to, to seek that out, have people over for dinner uh, once a month, uh, that, that sort of thing, just to have couples. Uh, from a, an equipping standpoint, I think we have done uh, in the past, um, it, the name of it? We, we did a, a marriage workshop. Um, that, that is one of these equipping type things that would be either or an event uh, over a weekend, you know, several hours on a weekend, or something that is frequent and that you can come back to for a number of weeks. But it's not an all the time must be in sort of thing. And that's that's another thing that I want to highlight. Like faithfulness is not um, described by your 100% attendance of one of these equipping or, or you know service groups, right? Um, that might change the the um, the how people change workshop. We hope that everybody that can go will will go and get something out of it. A lot of us can't uh, just by the time thing. So maybe you know you pull out of that, and then uh, the next time that uh, we'll try to adjust schedules and time frames of when we're doing these sorts of um, equipping meetings, so that other people can can roll in, have interconnection with people, um, and then. All right, uh, so the last thing that we'll do is Caitlin. If you remember, Caitlin Henderson, she was baptized just a few weeks ago, and uh, she has been part of crew for um, all four years. She's going on her fourth year in college. She's actually on our lead team. Um, she's been walking the process of membership for a little while, and uh, lots of questions, that really good questions that, um, that she had about this about becoming a member, knowing that she's graduating in May. Now, we don't know what God's going to do with her. Um, but then she, over the summer, she was like, you know, Joe, I, I've been talking to God about this, and I just I, I want to go ahead and do this. Knowing that, you know, as a college student, um, some of the things within our, our covenant, um, she's not literally able to do within the season of life. And that's, that's okay, because we understand that, and we're accepting that especially for those that are our college students. And she may be leaving us in May, but she wanted to be part of the process. So she went through the membership class. Um, she did her elder interview, and I can confidently before you say that Caitlin is a believer in Christ and would be a good member of any church, and we will be blessed to have her um, until May, or maybe God will get her a job up here. Who knows? You never know. And, uh, and, and see what happens um, there. So... What we usually do is we confirm this with a vote from our members of accepting Caitlin in as a member of our church. So everybody in favor of bringing Caitlin in as a member, um, just raise your hand to signify. All right. Amen. So Caitlin, welcome to Mountain. She signed her covenant. It's all good. Um, and so as we close down, I know we went long, but we're usually right on that 12 o'clock dot, you know, 99% of the time. Um, and if you have more questions, and if you have input, we don't know it all. I mean, John brought an excellent question that this, this, my mind started saying, yeah, we need to do this, do this, do this, and, and help plug, plug people in. Um, we need those questions. It, you know, we don't know it all, and welcome those questions and, and any, any help that we may get. So um, let me just pray, and now I'm going to ask Caitlin, and I'm also going to ask Chris to come up. Um, thank Chris for his service over the last three years. You know, he was, um, he came on whenever I, I'm still, I'm only four years into this lead pastor thing. And, um, and there's one here that's been doing it a while to let you know. It takes a while to, to, to get your feet about you um, with this. And he was there with me every step of the way. Um, 
and so was Matt, and then these gentlemen here are, are continuing that, and I am so blessed to have these men around me. So um, if Caitlin and Chris would come up, and I'll close in prayer. Welcome Caitlin as a new member, and thank Chris for his service over the last three plus years. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these folks' patience, Lord. We thank you for those that might be home um, with sick children or watching online, Lord. I um, thank you for all those who call Mountain City Church their home. And Father, I, I pray that um, as we venture out into a season of making much of God and making disciples of Christ, Lord, Father, that you will continue to bless this church and bless the people so that we may change and be more like Christ. And Father, let us be joyous and welcoming in um, Caitlin as a new member, Lord. And Father, and let us be grateful of the burden that Chris carried uh, as an elder, Lord. And Father, we just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.